Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Sometimes I think that people get really lost because they're like, well, yeah, if I knew what my passion was, I could go figure out a way to make money, but I don't even know what my passion is, right? And sometimes I think knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do want. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. You were a full-time wedding photographer Mm -hmm. still, I think. Mm -hmm. And you were just kind of getting into, you know, teaching a little bit and coaching and things like that. And I think maybe you created one course or something at the time. And now it's been an amazing evolution of six years of building a massive podcast, courses. You did events for a while. uh, But just being a a nomad entrepreneur, you travel the world, you live in different locations, you're a mom and you're able to build a business that is designed around a lifestyle, which is what I've always talked about and tried to live by my life, is like, how do I live my life and yes. then build a business around that, yeah. not where I'm trapped by it? Yeah. And that's something you've like stood by since day one. Truly. So it's really inspiring. And I remember, yeah, when you were in the mastermind, I was just like, Jenna gets this. Yeah. I was like, you got it, and you were just like, okay, yes, I'm gonna do this and execute and then just get results. Yeah. That's been your journey. You know, it's crazy getting ready this morning because I was just like, I really am awake to life in that like this is a pinch me moment and I don't I don't miss that. I don't miss that in even the mundane everyday life with my kids. Uh-huh. Like I just am awake to like, wow. And it was crazy because I was just thinking about my journey with you and I remember your email coming through announcing the mastermind. I remember jumping on it. I mean, I filled out that form yeah, faster fast. than you can imagine. But I also feel like, you know, there's times in your life where there's like this line in the sand where there is a very clear before and after, right? Like where you see a massive transformation. And joining your mastermind was the first time I really invested in myself mm-hmm. in a big way. It was so scary. I remember writing the check and I couldn't even tell Drew, my husband, the amount because when you bet on yourself, it's like, I better prove myself right, right? Like you're like, I better make this a worthy investment and holy cow, but it it is so cool to be with you here in this setting. Think of like how far we've come and like even just our relationship too over the time. It's like we've done a lot of life together, which is A lot of trips and masterminds and Cool. Ups and downs and everything in between. And it's yeah. it's so fun to watch your journey because I remember just thinking like, oh, just if you just start keeping consistent, like great things are going to happen. Yeah. And they've been happening. You've got a book out now. Mm-hmm. How are you really? Your podcast, again, all your courses, everything is just all very inspiring. I'm curious, what was the kind of a pivotal moment after the mastermind where you realized things can take off financially and in business and you don't have to 
overextend yourself? You know, because there was probably times where you maybe overextended for a while. Oh yeah. But when did you realize you could do both? Yeah. Okay. So there's actually a story in the book about your mastermind, uh-huh. um, which we'll talk about. But it was kind of crazy because being in the mastermind for me, as someone from the Midwest who lives in small town Minnesota. I had literally never been in a room with people who could say, like, I desire wealth or I desire freedom or Mm -hmm. I desire flexibility. Like, it was so crazy for me to be around people who were unapologetic about their pursuit, whatever their pursuit looked like, whether it was financial or lifestyle or flexibility. And it was the first time that I was, like, around people where they were just like, here's what I'm going after. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, like... Even to speak those types of things, especially in the Midwest, you know. Sure. It's like people think you are crazy. You didn't talk about money or how much you wanted to make or None of that. how much you were making or any yes. of those things. Yeah. So it really opened my eyes to like this new world because I, I feel like before joining your mastermind, it was I was so lonely in the pursuit. And I also felt like, am I greedy or why, why do I want these things? Or, you know, I, am I hitting my own ceiling, my, my own glass ceiling? And when I was in your mastermind, I was in the heart of a really big pivot because I was a wedding photographer. I had experienced my first loss of pregnancy. Mm. So I remember at the first mastermind, you had us get up front and just say who you are and one thing you were working on. Uh And I remember I like got up and I'm not a nervous person. Like I can speak wherever. And like something overcame me where I decided to share about that loss mm-hmm. and um and I was just like you know I'm really like I really want to be a mom and like this isn't happening right now and you had everyone in the mastermind write on a slip of paper like if they could help you with whatever that goal was right. just write your name and phone number down and pass like and how they can help or something forward. right yeah and um, Dr. Laura Noel was in the mastermind right. and she had written on a piece of paper and it said I will help you with your fertility <sighs> And she was a fertility expert, yeah. Yes. And I I remember wow. getting that piece of paper and thinking, I don't need help. My loss was a fluke. That's really, really sweet, but whatever. But for some reason, I held on to that paper. And in the course of the following year, we ended up experiencing our second loss. Mm-hmm. And I found that slip of paper literally mm-hmm. days after our second loss that said, I will help you with your fertility with a phone number. And there's a story in the book about like how I joined a mastermind thinking like this one is going to explode my business uh-huh. and all of these things. And really it exploded my life. So to get back to your question of, you know, when, when have there been seasons where you've overextended yourself or gone, gone mm-hmm. in the opposite direction? I think a lot of us achievers are prone to do that. It's, it's like this mm-hmm. cycle. But I've recognized time and time again that like success shouldn't look a certain way. It should feel a certain way. And when I stay in alignment with how it should feel, I am so much more at peace and not like in the pursuit of like this frantic pace. What should it feel like? For me, it feels like peace and it feels like no urgency. Mm. Like when you say no stress, you mean it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, my team and I, we, we have this thing where it's like we literally start every message with like, this isn't urgent, but here's what we need. Because it's like this reminder, <laughs> no 
Fucking get it done. So. Well, but it's like really, it's like a, like it, don't worry. But like if you're yeah. in your life, be in your life. But like when you come back on, this is what I'm waiting for. But it's like right. We no don't need this right now. Don't stop your whatever you're doing. Yeah. But get back when yeah. you're back in the work mode. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I so, like that. Yeah, it's been interesting, but it's you know it's just crazy to think about. We often say like in in the business world too. It's like sell people what they think they want, but serve them what they need. Mm -hmm. And when I look at like my experience and, and specifically my experience with you, it was like, you know, I joined the mastermind for this one thing, but I ended up like, then ended up working with Dr. Noel. She helped me and I really truly attribute a lot of my ability to like carry a successful pregnancy to my work with her, That's which is beautiful. kind of crazy. And I met her through you. That's beautiful. Yeah, That's I'm cool. sure you would have met someone eventually like that. But I'm no, glad that they brought you. You take credit. You were like the godfather. Care. I'm, of the, this. I'm, the, I'm the reason you have a child. Yeah, no, no. I think uh, you know people. You 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 attract the things you need. You're looking for things you need, and people will find their way to you. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, then why you you also said back then that you would never do a book. Yes. You were like, I'm never doing a book. So why did you decide you wanted to do a book? Yeah. And what's the what's the message and the intention behind it? Yeah. So I I remember because you were launching <laughs> and I was like, it's exhausting. It's second like, book, yeah, The Mask yeah. of Masculinity. And it was coming out. Uh-huh. And it was basically kind of launched right around your event, right? Yes. Yeah. We got it was our like first right copy afterwards, then. yeah. Yep. And I remember we each got one question uh, to ask. And I remember looking at you and being like, why, why would anyone do uh -huh. a book? Uh -huh. So I remember being, I don't understand it. And I said for many years, I will never do this. I'll never write a book. And we were in a season with our family. So we now had our first daughter, Coco. I was going to get pregnant with my second child, hopefully. And I... It's a long story and it's a part of my book in the epilogue, but um, it was in the middle of the pandemic and it was when things were like slightly creeping open again. And it was mine and Drew's 10 year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we can't really like go to a fancy dinner or whatever, but I booked us massages. And mm -hmm. it was in Northern Minnesota, a town of 1200 people. There's this place called Lutzen. And I booked us massages and I go in for my massage and the woman there, her name is Thea. And she's like, I'm a medical medium. And I was like, huh. hmm, interesting. I don't know what that means, but cool. Let's go get the rub down. So I go down, get my massage, have my mask on my face. And after the massage, she goes, can I tell you what came up for you today? And here I'm just uh -oh. booking like a 60-minute yeah. massage. I'm like, sure, I'm very open-minded. What came up? And she goes, there's something you need to do, and you know you need to do it but you're avoiding it. You're turning your hips away from it. And when you were laying on the table, I just wanted to hold your hips down and say, follow the path. You know what you need to do. She didn't say like, you need to write a book, but you know what? I knew right away. Really? I, with utter clarity, I, she goes, do you know what I'm talking about? And I go, mm-hmm. And I come home from that massage and I have like the ring of the table uh -huh. on my eyes. And Drew's like, how was your massage? And I was like, I'm writing a book. And it's really wild because people have described the process to me at times and they're like, once you know, like you, it just pours out of you. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that is bogus. Like writing a book is a lot of work. And what's crazy is, is that exact night, because you know, I execute really well. Fast I and open fast, yes. up a Google doc Jeez. and I wrote the first start. half of the book in a night. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. And it was funny. So I intentionally did everything in the book process backwards on purpose. So... 
for me, um, the times in my life where I've grown or evolved have been when I've allowed myself to be really creative. And yes. whenever money or a paycheck or a deadline gets involved, my creativity is stripped. And so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. So I wrote the book without telling a soul, without a book deal, mm-hmm. without an agent, with no commitment or deadline or paycheck. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure that I'm doing it for the right reason. And I want it to matter to yes. me first. Because have you ever had someone, has this happened to you, where I've been approached by people and they're like, this is what your book is about. And I'm like, mm. no. Or like, I can't wait to read a book about this from you. And it's like, that's not what I want to write about. Uh, so I wrote the entire book. I gave myself a deadline, December 31st. So I started it at the end of August, December 31st. Finished it December 31st. And then I went through the process after that. And um, it was really cool because I did what I wanted to do without any feedback, without announcing it to the world. Right. Nobody knew about it, not even my family. Like, I just really kept it close to my heart because for so long I said I'm not going to do it. So then I was like, if I start telling people, then I'm going to feel commitment that I have to do it. And maybe it's not the right time or the right thing. But it turns out it was. And what does it end up being about then? Yeah. So what's crazy and a good lesson for all of us is I wrote a business book at Uh first. Now, my book, How Are You Really, is not a business book. But I thought, you know, I run the Gold Digger podcast. I'm the marketing person. I love all that stuff. But I do business and marketing so that I can live life in a way that other people can. Mm -hmm. And... In the marketing business book that I wrote, there were a lot of stories that were way deeper than just strategies. And so when I finally got my book agent and she read through the whole thing and she pulled out chapters for my proposal, because she had the entire manuscript, the proposal was not a business book. Uh So when I did all my editor's calls and stuff, they were like, you know, this is great, but like, we're we're not talking about branding. We're not like, like, this is a book that we need and we're in nine to fives. And so it really expanded it. And for me, too, it was like, where do I want to see it on the shelves at Barnes & Noble? Mm -hmm. Like, where do I envision it? And it wasn't in the business category. So it was beautiful because, like, as a former photographer, it almost felt like I was, like, widening the lens. Like, Uh I was zoomed in and I needed to, like, back off. But it also meant a lot more work. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. You know? So we scrapped uh, Uh a good chunk of what I wrote. And maybe someday I'll write a business book. But um, I'm so proud of what it is. So... Naming a book is really hard. You and I were actually just talking about that. And um, I, I hate naming things. Like my first course was the Jenna Kutcher course because I mm-hmm. literally couldn't think of a name. And so we had all these different working titles throughout the process. And uh, it was 10 days before I gave birth to my second child. Wow. And we were like, we need a name. And I kept voice texting people asking advice. And in the voice messages, I would say, You know those conversations where you're like, how are you? Oh, good, great, busy, fine. And then you feel safe enough and invited to like lean in and be like, but how are you really? Mm -hmm. And someone was like, why don't you just call it that? And I was like, really? (laughs) And it became that. There you go. Not wild. It's beautiful. The whole process is beautiful, I think, of coming up with an idea, launching it, making it the name. Um, but a lot of people are afraid of putting something out there. Were you afraid to create it? Or were you afraid beforehand that you just never wanted to do the work yeah. of it? Um, or why do you think a lot of people are afraid to put 
something out there. Yeah. I was never afraid of the work, but to me, it never made sense in my life because I remember telling you this and being like, why would you spend two years on a project Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily provide a really bountiful paycheck when you could spend like two months building a course, launching it, getting it out into the world and like reaping the rewards. And I really genuinely feel like there is a tipping point in our lives where there are seasons where it's like you will hustle and trade your time for money. And then there becomes this time where all of a sudden time is more valuable. Mm -hmm. Like you will trade money to claim back your time. You've talked about Mm -hmm. that a lot. And so it became this thing where I was like, it has nothing to do with the money. I mean, I wrote the whole thing without a penny promised. And so I was never afraid of the work, but it's fascinating because I really kept it close to my heart. Like I didn't let people read it. I didn't want opinions. Uh And so even my own husband texted me the other night because he has a copy and he's reading it and it feels so vulnerable. Because you don't know what they're think, thinking or feeling yes. or yes, what are they going to say? Yes. And like, or what's going to impact them? Or like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like, you and I have lived many shared experiences together, but like we could be in the same hour segment sitting side by side and our takeaways could be totally different. Yeah. And when you're putting out these stories and like being vulnerable and like sharing different things, it's like, whew, like it, it feels like a piece of your heart. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest lessons I've learned in this process is like, my book is a piece of my life's work, but it's not the only thing, you know, it's like just a piece of it. And so it's like a very important piece to me, but like, there's a lot more beyond it. What do you feel like has been the biggest challenge for you in the last couple of years then? Uh, To face. Yeah. So (laughs) I feel like when people ask me like, how are you really? It's like, I'm experiencing the fullness of life, and I mean that in a way of, like, I want it all. Mm -hmm. And I've had to define what it all looks like. And I want to be a present, hands-on mom, and I also want to have a great career. And, like, the dichotomy of, like, chasing both of those things simultaneously, coupled with things like mom guilt and all of that, it's like, you're constantly questioning, like, am I in the right place? Mm, you mean if you're being present with your... If I'm working, I'm thinking about my kids. If I'm uh, with my kids, I'm thinking about work. Really? Always. How do you shift to just being present to one or the other? I have to literally, like, ground myself. Like, I have started this practice, and I, I do it all the time now. But, like, when I enter the threshold of a room, I have to consciously be like, I am all here right now. Because it's easy. Like, here's a story. So I read a lot of books to my three-year-old. I mean, she is, she loves reading. There will be times when I'm literally reading a book, but I'm, like, thinking about, like, I need to do this for work. I need Mm -hmm. to do this. And one day we were reading a Dr. Seuss book, and um, there's a line where it's, like, um, the curtain in the Jordan. Like, you know, they have weird rhymes. And Coco goes, (laughs) what's a Jordan? And I was like, what? And she's like, what's a Jordan? And I had read this book hundreds of times to her. And yet I wasn't like there. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she's in my lap. I'm reading the pages. And yet I'm just in autopilot because I'm thinking about other things. There was like this massive wake up call of like, you want it all. But like you could miss it all so easily if you're not where you are. And so it was really funny because she's like, what's a Jordan? And I was like, Oh my God, like I am reading this book and I've read it so many times and I don't even remember 
this page because I haven't been like fully there. Sure. So I've really had to work really hard because my brain is such a, I mean, our brains are so powerful, but they're mm-hmm. always spinning, right? Right. And it really takes me just as much focus to like calm my brain as it does for me to like speed it up. Where do you feel like in your life you need the most support? Yeah, I mean, asking for help is the worst, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a chapter in the book about, like, like I had pride's utter chokehold of, like, I want to do it all and mm-hmm. be it all and all these things. And, you know, my husband desired, deeply desired to be a stay-at-home dad. And in our struggle to grow our family, I felt like such a failure because he had this vision of, like, being a stay-at-home dad. And, mm-hmm. like, here I can't carry a pregnancy all the way through. And it felt like... I was like dropping the baton because he had supported my entrepreneurial dreams. And now I'm like the one that's like not allowing him to live his dream. Mm. And it's crazy because like him and I, like we just have to be a team. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all Already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, And so asking for help in that way is like massive and and keeping really open communication because like I am so driven, Mm -hmm. but I'm also so grounded and, and trying to like live into both of those things requires someone keeping you in check, right? Sure, sure. Like, hey, set the phone down, close the laptop, like, you know. Um, But asking for help too, in the chapter in my book, it was talking about how 
for years as an entrepreneur, I wanted to just do everything. And I thought, no one can possibly love this the way I do. No one can possibly do anything the way I do. <laughs> and uh, how many of us have felt that way? Yeah. And uh, in that chapter, this girl named Caitlin had reached out to me two different times. And she supported wedding photographers. And she had reached out and was like, I live in your area. I love your work. I'd love to support you. And basically, I said, thanks, but no thanks both times. And she reached out a third time. And it was on the day, the exact day that we had lost our second pregnancy. Mm. And it said, just checking in. I know you said you're good, but... And she had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. And finally, for like the first time in my life, I like literally said like, I need help. Wow. Because I was like in the fetal position and I had built a business that literally required me to show up or I didn't get paid. And it was like this huge realization of like, yeah, I built a successful business, but if I am not upright and showing up, I'm not, it's not, not a business. Earning. Yeah, yeah. Not and so the chapter in the book is like how, when we accept help and when we like learn how to ask for it, we are so enriched. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people in our lives that like they love just being the helper. And when I say just being the helper, I mean like being the helper is transforming lives. Yes. And it's really interesting because I feel like I've discovered that in business, and this goes for you as well, is like there are very few things that only Lewis can do. Mm -hmm. You have to be the face and the voice and the vision, right? You are the visionary, but your team are like the missionaries. Like they are the mm -hmm. ground workers, right. the copywriters, the people helping spread the mission. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it felt like I was white knuckling things. Mm. And when I finally released, it like opened my hands to what's possible. What was possible? Building a massive business and having support and creating systems and inviting people in to do work that they're passionate about that I don't want to do. It's like the whole thing. It's like, yes, I could create the graphic, sure, write the sure. caption, like, but should I be doing that? Right. And those shoulds have gotten real small over the years. Because you were so talented. I mean, you were and are so talented at doing so many of the creative and writing and creative marketing stuff. and social and everything else. The strategy that you could do it all, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah to a high level, mm -hmm. you know? And so letting go of something that you do really well, that you know you love and like, and comes out the way you like it, yeah. without having to tell anyone how to do it or teaching people, it's hard to let go of. Yeah. It's almost like when you're really good at a lot of things, Yeah. it's harder for you. It's like a platter. It's like when you go to Old Country Buffet and all the food spread yeah. out and you're like, how do I decide I what I want? feels like that sometimes. Yeah, but when you start out, you have to learn everything mm -hmm. if you don't have the resources. So it's kind of like a good thing, but then you have to learn how to let it all go quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of letting go, this is an interesting topic I think a lot of women would love to learn the answer to, okay. or the solution to. Yeah. You and your husband, Drew, who's like one of the nicest guys. I love yeah. hanging out with this guy. He's awesome. You decided you wanted to be building the business and he's going to be a stay-at-home dad, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. And support you in other ways yeah. of the business as well, but mostly stay-at-home dad. For How can women learn to navigate that if they want to be the driven entrepreneur? Yeah. Can you be a driven entrepreneur woman, yep. find a husband who's also a driven entrepreneur, or does one of you need to have some less drive on their career and business to be able to support if you're trying to have kids what, yeah. what's worked for you what doesn't work yeah what would you do differently if you started this over again yeah 
I honestly wouldn't do anything differently. And I think what is fascinating about this is like, especially in the Midwest, it is still very traditional. Yes. I cannot tell you the amount of times. I mean, probably the coast also, but yeah. Yeah, I mean. but no, I cannot tell you the amount of times that we'll mention something about our lifestyle and the person will People look like, at Drew and say, what do you do? And then he'll say, oh, I stay home with my daughters. And then they'll look over at me and be like, well, what do you do? And we always have this joke because it's just like, still, it's so inbred in our society mm-hmm. of like, clearly the man must have a really successful career. And I get it. I mean, I've made assumptions as well. What's really fascinating to me is that we've been married 11 years. We've been together since 2008. And we are very different people than we were when we got married. Very different. Mm, I mean, you wouldn't recognize that version of me. And it's beautiful because I think we are so resistant to change and we are so afraid to contradict ourselves. Because you probably never thought you'd have a business or be an entrepreneur. Never. Right. Never thought I would do any of these things. Like I wanted a corporate office and power suit and high heels. I... The visions I held had zero chance of entrepreneurship in them. And, and what did what did he want to do? What was his vision? He <laughs> Drew has done so many things. He could sell ice to an Eskimo. He did cell phone sales, billboard sales, insurance sales. I mean, he's sold pretty much, you name it, he's sold it. But he never felt fulfilled. It was like always on this quest of fulfillment. Mm. And it all and I always just like encouraged it because I wanted him to be happy. And his final job before he retired to be a stay-at-home dad was in wine sales. But really, he was just like a glorified stockist. And in my book, I tell a story about like how when I lost that second pregnancy, like not only did I feel the grief of the loss, but I I felt like I was holding him back from this vision, this dream that Mm, he had. Interesting. And he could have groveled and grumbled his way through and he just went out and stocked that wine in that season and i think a lot of times people are sitting in these waiting seasons and they're just wasting them they're angry they're mad at like things aren't happening Mm -hmm. for them and i like look at him with such admiration of like he had this bigger vision for his life but it wasn't happening it took three years for him to actually be a stay-at-home dad and he still he worked so hard and like he never complained so i'm like great Great reminder for people. I mean, it's the great resignation right now. One in three people are looking for a new job or quitting their job. That's massive. Mm -hmm. But like, while I admire that, I'm also like, are we giving up too soon? Or are we just angry because things aren't happening? Like, can we still do the thing while we figure out the next idea? I don't know. I just challenge people in that. But back to your question about like the relationship and stuff. Something about Drew that used to drive me crazy that I now very much admire (laughs) is his contentedness like he is so you're content. driven i am driven and ambitious and i sometimes want more and i you know i want to go after these things and he has this beautiful like this guy would just be so happy to get in a workout mow the lawn mm-hmm. and give the kids a bath like right. like he truly is just like grounded in that contentedness and to me that looked like complacency before so, so that's why it drove you crazy. Drove me nuts. Because I was like, don't you want more? So how long did it drive you crazy for? I mean, when I say it drove me crazy, I just didn't understand it. Sure, like, sure. I was just like... Yeah, you're not screaming or anything. Yeah, yeah like, but, but, but yeah, it's like, like, it's like, what do you want for your life? And like, he was just so happy. And to me, <laughs> I feared of like, 
oh, like, are you just not driven? Or like, what is this? And now I'm like, well, what a valuable balance for someone like me to be reminded of like, oh, this is enough. What if he was extremely driven and he was like... I think we'd be battling each other for if that. If he was driven and he was like, I'm building this thing and I'm not, I don't have the time to be at, at home as much. I'm going to yeah. be gone more. I'm going to be back after seven every night. It's so hard for us. How would you navigate it, that? And what advice would you give to women who yeah. are driven, yeah. who have married into, into a, a driven partner, yeah. who doesn't want to be a stay-at-home dad? Yeah. How would you navigate that as a mom? Yeah. I mean, so something crazy about us is like our our oldest is three and a half and like we've never had help uh with our children we've just really it's just been a personal choice of like we're all in on parenting. grandparents though i mean i mean my mom is the only person that has really like watched her and it's not consistent so it's like we're just in it right right uh we've just decided that is it what like once a week once every few weeks yeah Yeah. if we're lucky a half a day or a few hours yeah it's like go out on a date night sure 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 (laughs) Uh, but we made that choice really like specifically for us because our values are just really like to cherish this time, this window mm-hmm. of time where they're little is so small and these years are so important. And so if if he was, you know, driven or had this brilliant idea or had these things, you know, honestly, I would feel a responsibility to pass the baton to him because he has supported me in exceptional ways over the years, but I think I'd be reluctant to hand it over, right? I think it would be really hard. Um, I really think that his role is often overlooked. And so for your listeners that are the stay-at-home parents or the people who are, you know, giving this season of life to be at home with their children or to help raise their children, it is the most overlooked and underappreciated job mm-hmm. on planet earth and it's crazy to me because what i do and and what you've watched me do over the last few years is literally only possible because of him and his support. The support yeah, yeah. yeah i mean he cooks he cleans he, do, he does it all and i with a smile with yeah. a smile and, he's and happy a six-pack abs he's just, baby <laughs> he's just a happy guy yeah he really is and so yeah, if, if both people are driven, I think that there has to be a season where there are handoffs. Like, mm-hmm. I always just picture it as like a relay race where it's like, I'm sprinting and you're waiting, and then you're sprinting and I'm waiting. And there has to be conversations, and I think a lot of women have this deep desire for change or growth or evolution or trying something new, but they don't even know how to express it. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to say the words like, like imagine you and I are together, which whatever. But like, Lewis, I know that I've been this way for you. I know I've supported you in this way for so long, but like, I have to change. There's, I'm going to change and I'm inviting you to enter this change with me. Right. It might be uncomfortable. We might have to figure it out, but like, here's what I really want to do. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're with a partner that loves you, I would sincerely hope that they support you. Sure. But it's crazy. I do think that a lot of relationships benefit when it's like one person's driven and the other one kind of brings them back home to earth. And I sure. think there are seasons of trade-off with that. That's interesting. So when did the thing that drove you crazy about him yeah. switch to being like, okay, it doesn't drive me as crazy. And now I'm actually really grateful and appreciative that you're in that energetic space. Yeah. I mean, even today, he's home with two kids 
sending me updates of them going on walks with the wagon and things uh-huh. like that. And him just saying like, we're good and you're doing great. And I love you. Like that's massive to me mm. because I already put enough pressure on myself. So if I was worried, like I'm going to go home to like a grumbling husband and my house is tore apart and my kids need a bath, like that would be hard. Um, it doesn't drive me nuts anymore because it's brought me like back to earth in a way of this season that I'm in is, is busy, but it's not crazy. And it's a very thoughtfully busy, like anything I'm doing in my life right now is by choice, not necessity. And I have learned and really like embraced this idea of like, I can pump the brakes on certain things that I know I could soar at, that I know I could crush it in. And I say that with just confidence. I think more women need to be confident, but I'm saying no to so many things because I trust that I can hit the brake and know where the gas pedal is. The gas pedal is not going anywhere. And so for the next few years, things are just going to look a little different for us because I really want to be with my kids. Yeah. And so a lot of people I think are lacking this belief in themselves of like what's gotten me this far will carry me forward but I don't need to believe the lie of like momentum and have that keep me on the hamster wheel you know what I mean sure it's interesting because obviously I don't know what it's like to be a woman or in your position but there's been obviously a a a movement for decades for women to be more driven and really go after what they want yeah career business goals dreams aspirations yeah and at the same time, there's probably judgment for going after those things. Absolutely. When you have kids and not being there for the kids. So there's this push for women to go be more than what you were told maybe as a child you shouldn't be doing or something, right? Like yeah. go be more, do what you want, chase your dreams, live a career, life, have kids later in life, all these different things, yeah. wait to get married, whatever it might be. But then doing it there's probably judgment around it also of like well now you have two kids and now you have a responsibility and now you should be at home more and how are you raising them and you're letting him raise them and why aren't you you know there's probably this judgment so how you how you navigate the guilt shame judgment from others maybe internally for living this type of lifestyle yeah you know it's crazy because oftentimes and i say this with respect I ask myself, would my male counterpoint CEOs have to worry about this or think Mm. about this or do this? And I had a massive moment. So I'm here with you. And this is the first time I've been gone from my family in nine months. So Mm. it's not like I'm on the road all the time. I'm actually never on the road. And I had this moment two nights ago when my three-year-old woke up in the middle of the night screaming for me. And I had her monitor on my nightstand in the hotel room. And for an entire hour, I sat on my phone and helped her breathe. And I just said, smell the flowers, blow out the candles. Smell the flowers, Mm. blow out the candles. And I got her back to sleep while I'm here in California. I'm sitting here and I'm like pumping because I'm nursing my kid back home, talking to my three-year-old, and I have to wake up and do multiple things the next Mm. day. And I was like, would any of my male CEOs be expected to have a baby monitor on and do all, you know what I mean? And sure. I say that out of a, a, there is so much expectation around women. And it's like we're supposed to work like we're not mothers and mother like we don't have careers. And like, that's a problem. And 
it's fascinating because I don't necessarily feel guilt. I want my daughters to like see me doing my work. And actually, when I first had Coco and it was like this three year long journey and I just like freaking prayed for like this miracle and here she comes. Mm-hmm. I never wanted her to see me working. I had a weird thing about it where I was like, I want her to never see me like on my phone or my computer. I just want. Why? I just wanted her to never feel like second fiddle, even though she was a baby. But like, I just wanted her to see like mommy's present. I, I feel like there's this huge pressure for presence where it's like, don't blink. You're going to miss it. You know? And it's like, I literally remember like feeding her and like looking at her and like counting her eyelashes <laughs> and being like, am I going to remember this moment? Cause it was just like, I know how fleeting this all sure, is. Sure. And as she's gotten older, I want her to see me working and I want her to understand my work and I want it to be something that she's proud of. And I want it to paint possibility because the lifestyle she's living is possible because of my work. Mm -hmm. And so when I was writing my book in the dedication, it says like to Coco, like, thanks for being my biggest muse and like my greatest inspiration. Also, thank you for sitting next to me and making me play baby shark in the corner of my computer screen while I was writing my book so that we could sit together because she would literally be by me while I was working. I watched Baby Shark a lot of times. (laughs) And, you know, it's fascinating because as she's starting to, like, understand more and stuff, obviously her scope of what's normal in terms of a career as a woman is is very, like, enlightened for seeing what I've done and what I continue to do. But it is so much pressure because it's like, you know, no dad is asked, like, oh, you left your baby at home Mm -hmm. to go do a work trip. Like that, it's just a different thing. And even on the way here to your studio, I had a Uber driver, we were in a minivan and we're like talking about family. And and I was like, yeah, you know, I have a little one at home. And he was like, oh, how did you leave? And I was like, you don't think it was hard enough? Like, you know, and it was like, I'm like, there have been 10 times on this trip where I've just been like, book me a flight, I'm going home. Um, but I, I truly believe I'm still working at a pace that is super sustainable Yeah. and in a way that it's like, no, I'm home. And when I'm away, you better believe I'm getting stuff done. Right. And you're gone for a limited time and then you go back. Yeah. I'm curious about money dynamics. Oh, yeah, I don't think this is, about it. I don't think this is talked about enough. Yeah. Well, I also don't think there's a lot of models out there maybe that I've seen where, uh, you know, the, the female partner in a male-female dynamic is the breadwinner, is the one earning all the money, yeah. majority of the money, 90%, whatever it is, and responsible for most of the money. Mm-hmm. Two questions here. Yep. One, how did you learn to believe you were able to earn more mm-hmm. when you kind of had a set amount you were making for so many years? Obviously, yeah. it was increasing, but to really exponentially grow to abundance financially, that's number one. How did you believe that you could earn more? And yeah. what was the deciding factor for unlocking more for you? And then number two, how do you manage the money dynamic yeah. in the relationship? Yeah. And how does that work? How does that communicate? And how do people believe in their worths at different stages? Yeah. So the first part of the question is actually going to be very different than I think what you're expecting. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. 
assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. So I... I remember the day that I hit six figures. And for me, that was a massive goal. Like get six figures in one year, you brought yeah. it in. What oh, yeah. year was this? This would have been my third year as a wedding photographer, so 2014. Okay. So I'd built a six-figure photography business in three years flat. It's big. It's big. In the Midwest. In the Midwest, it was like basically condensed to six yeah. months of shooting. I shot every weekend. I had no time off. I missed weddings. I missed time with my family. And I remember the day that I hit six figures, it felt like crap. Really? I was empty. I was burnt out. I remember like standing in the shower and being like, why aren't the angels singing? Where is the confetti? Because I thought this would feel different. And what's interesting is, is I was just so tired. Mm. Like I was like the bone deep kind of tired. And... I had built this business and hit this goal and it felt terrible. And Drew came home from work uh, the next day and I said, I thought this was gonna feel different. I'm not even enjoying the money I'm making because I have no time. And I said, I'm gonna propose something that's a little crazy, but I just wanna see what you think. And I made this color-coded spreadsheet and he sat down and I said, I was a lot happier when I made $50,000 a year. Mm. So I can't do this again. This isn't sustainable. I, I'm ready to chuck my camera out the window. And I said, would you support me if I said I want to go back to making $50,000 a year, wow. but I want more time? And it was really weird because I like expected him to kind of be like, Ugh, you know. Was he making a lot of money then or was he no, making some money? or like is he... 50. I mean, we were, right. both, like, we were just both the Midwest right, right. average. And I thought he was going to be kind of like, eh. And he looked so relieved. Wow. Like it was just like, yeah, let's do it. We, we know we can. Right. We know we have. Like if we go back to eating ramen noodles, great. So I like made a super, super clear boundary. And at the time I had been shooting 30 weddings and I was like, I am only going to book 15 next year. I'm going to say no to everything beyond that. Line is in the sand. I'm not going to cross it. Because I, w- I was a yes girl. I was like taught sure, to be a good sure. girl. Say yes. Don't disappoint people. And so the next year I cut it in half. And something insane happened when I did that, which was not at all what I expected. But when I got my time back again, when I got margin back, it was when I was creative again and curious again. Mm. Started listening to podcasts. Started taking online courses. Started learning other things. Mm-hmm. I would have never, my eyes would have never been open to any of this world if I would have stayed on the hamster wheel and just kept working more and more and more. 
And it was crazy because literally I went, I was like, I don't care about money. Give me back time. And when I freed up my time, I ended up figuring out ways to unlock how to make more money. Yeah. And there's also a story in the book inspired by you because there's a chapter called what is your enough point? Mm-hmm. And you actually probably don't even know this. Um, but when we were in Puerto Rico on one of our trips, you had brought along a photographer. Mm-hmm. And we were up on the rooftop. Taking photos. I still have a selfie photo from that. Yeah. Yes. We were up on the rooftop. And he comes over to me and he was like. Did he ask you this question? Uh-huh. Taylor? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you used to do this, didn't you? And I said, yep. Yeah. And he said, how did you get out of it? How did you become the person that's not behind the lens, but the person drinking the champagne on the rooftop watching sunset? Right. And I said, oh, I bet you want me to like give you like a step A to Z. (laughs) And I said, you need your time back. Mm -hmm. And I said, you have to establish what is your enough point? Like, what do you need to feel safety and security? And you need to draw a line in the sand and not book a single shoot or session beyond it. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I was like, it's not sexy, but like, you need your time to figure out what's next. You don't even have the bandwidth or the energy to think of anything. And I remember, I feel like he was like disappointed in that answer because it was like, <laughs> no, 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 there's no magic thing. But like so many of us are just like, we keep filling up our plates at the buffet and we're so full. It's like we can't even think of the next meal. It's like we're, we're working so hard right now that like how could we have an idea or a vision or do research or curiosity when we're so overwhelmed with what's already in front of us. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's wild to me because it's like I only unlocked the potential because time was more important than money. And every single time I've done that where I've claimed back time, whether it was, you know, after having my daughter, I blacked out my calendar for a year and said, I'm saying no to wow. everything. I'm not speaking anywhere. I'm not I'm not doing anything. And then I unlocked these other ideas. And it's mm. like, you know, it's like every time I've like valued time, I've done that. To answer the second part of the question about like what is the dynamic in things, like it's really interesting because I just see his teamwork. And like, so to me, it's like, it's ours. Of course, this business is mine. I've built it. Um, you know, I have thoughts around like when people get divorced and someone takes half, I'm like, okay, but they didn't necessarily build the thing um, and things like that. But like I worked at Target when we got married. So right. like he literally has been behind this thing since uh-huh. day one. Um, but it's fascinating because he there's the business's money and then there's our money. I pay myself from the business. Mm -hmm. So I still live off of a pretty meager salary because I want to invest in my wealth in different ways and I'm a huge saver and things like that. So we don't really argue and stuff about money because we grew up in families where, you know, at the grocery store, we would buy like the off-brand Cheerios Mm -hmm. because they were cheaper. Discount coupon codes. Swab was the shampoo and, you know. And so... The fact that we can live a life now, the part that feels most exciting to me is like when we go to a restaurant and you don't look at the prices. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Or you can just buy a meal for anyone. Yeah. Like that to me is the exciting part of the money. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Nothing big and like earth shattering. I was remembering, I mean, even this morning, I I never forget like the things that I went through. But I remember this morning, I don't know what triggered it, but I was walking out of my my, my building that I'm in here in LA, and I was just like, man, 
12 years ago, this would have been not even possible. You know, to be able to be in a building like this. Not even a vision, probably. To be able to be in a building like this, in a city like this, paying the amount of rent that I'm paying, I was like, it's crazy what is possible if that's something you want. I'm not saying everyone needs that, but I just remember thinking that. And also, not being able to pay for, like, going to meals with friends and being like, looking at the check and be like, okay, I only bought this much, and here's all I can give. Yes. Well, now it's not even just, look, you don't have to look at the check, you know. That's point. like financial freedom yeah, to me. Yeah. I'm at a place in my life where like financial freedom is being debt free by choice because mm. my parents really struggled with being in debt and I was very aware of it growing up. And not, if money can fix something, it's not a problem in my life. And so the tire blows, whatever. We buy a new tire. But... If we haven't learned anything these last few years around how valuable our health is, Mm -hmm. how valuable our happiness is, how life is meant to feel good and not Mm -hmm. just look good, then we really missed an opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah, it is wild, though, because, I mean, we grew up in a family where, like, Red Lobster was a real big deal. Yeah. And you get no beverages, no dessert, and you split a meal. Like, no, you get the beverage, but it's got to be a refill beverage. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just you keep filling it up to get as much out of that restaurant you could. Uh, it's just like Dr. Pepperland. You just keep filling it yeah. up. But, uh, yeah. So free refills like, is where I went. Yeah. You know? So it's exciting <laughs> to like live in a life where it's like, yeah, I can buy the $10 green juice. To me, mm-hmm. that feels like success more than any other thing. Yeah. That's interesting. And so... How does the the money, the psychology of the money then influence the relationship in a certain way? Now that you have been the one, you both kind of are at the similar level. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, your business has been earning yeah. an abundance of wealth yeah. for the family. Yeah. And you're the one who's been creating and generating that, yeah. not him. How does that dynamic work? Yeah. I mean, he has access to everything. He has passwords to everything. It's just this level of trust in a... You know, we, we have a lot of conversations around it, but they're not like heated where it's just like, mm-hmm. here's where we're at. He's on all the investment calls. He's a big part of like figuring out our will. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's, re- I mean, it's really not a thing. It's not an issue. There's nothing. No. And it's really, and I think too, because we live in a place of like abundance, like where, and not in like a woo woo way, but like in a way of like, we have more than we ever dreamed possible right. and we're awake to that. Mm-hmm. It's just like. I, there's never pressure on me to perform more or earn more. It's like this beautiful, like, And he's not wow. driven to need more. So he's Nothing. happy with... Nothing. We're so content. He's, like, he's chill, so it's not like he's driven for more. Yeah. And he's happy you're making this or less. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah. We're very much just, like, at peace in our lives. And, and I That's think, nice. too, the Midwest keeps us really grounded. Yeah, I'm really course. thankful we still live there, which, you know, so for so many years, so many of my friends would be like, what are you doing? Like... Come to L.A. Come uh-huh. to New York. What are you doing? And it's fascinating when I'm in places like this because they really drain my energy. Just the city energy. <laughs> yeah. I'm Driving like hearing everything. sirens. I'm like sure. traffic is like it takes you 45 minutes to get three miles. Like it's it's a different way of living. It's not a wrong way of living. It's just not for me. Yeah. Like I prefer being in the woods overlooking a lake and sure, like sure. working wherever my laptop is. So The idea of that is like this fantasy that maybe one day I would like that, yeah. but also going somewhere and, and having no activity. After three days, I'd be like, I'm bored. You know, that's what I would feel this season of life. But maybe one day I'd be like, that's all I want. You know what I, you know what I think is interesting though about that? 
It's like, you know, a lot of people, like, they'd be like, if I had a million dollars, I'd, like, retire and go to an island. And, you know, it's like we know ourselves. Like, we like to make an impact. Uh-huh. We like to work. Yeah. We like to create. And I think a lot of times, too, the thought of, like, being in a cabin in the woods freaks people out because they're afraid to be quiet with themselves. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to drown out your worries. Sure. Your traumas, mm-hmm. when it's just busy, busy, busy. And I think what's really fascinating yeah. and like part of why I wrote my book is that during the pandemic, a lot of us had to live up to what we said we would do when time slowed down. I mm-hmm. mean, how many times have we said, you know, I'll work out more, sure, I'll sure. eat better, I'll write the book, I'll read the book, I'll... When life slows down and literally life never slowed down for any of us, until the pandemic and i think a lot of us had to look ourselves in the mirror and be like am i who i said i'd be because Mm -hmm. now i've been given and if you were fortunate you were given the gift of time if you weren't fortunate you were out there on the workforce still um, or scrambling to survive and so i want to you know respect that there's different ends of the pandemic and it looked very different but there is a vast majority of people who were now not commuting, mm-hmm. had more time in the right. day. Right. Saving their time from that. Yeah. Who were they during that time? And could they be still with themselves to face it? Sure. And so it's kind of that difference between how are you and how are you really mm-hmm. in that it's like you're inviting in that breath of like, right. who am I really? You know? Sure, sure. Maybe one day. But I've been looking at houses like a little bit outside of LA, not that far, like 30 minutes. Yeah. With like a yard, you know? <laughs> yeah. You kind of like, I mean, that's what's so wild to me here. It's uh-huh. just like, like we want like space and privacy yes. and woods and quiet. Yes. And like you let the dog out the back door and the kids run around and play in the streams and stuff. I and I think too, it's like. That's like my childhood, you know? That, that was my same. childhood. That's what I was going to say. It's like a big backyard and the big tree that you're Building a dam in the stream over Everything. hours. Picking yeah. up crawfish yeah. in the stream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. of course. Yes. Yes. Crawdaddy life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We would go under the bridge, like, down the road. and That yep. was life. Yeah. It was life. But mm-hmm. I guess that could be life again. One yeah. day. One day. <laughs> I'll get you. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I, yeah. I have a fantasy of, like, wanting to go back to Ohio sometime and getting a place there. Mm-hmm. But then I go visit in the winter, and I'm like, I don't miss the winter. Then just don't go anywhere. Right. So six, <laughs> but then the summer, there's mosquitoes and humidity, and I don't miss sweating all day. Yeah, if you're so off of Lake like, Superior, you, we don't get that as bad. So there's we're, tons of mosquitoes up there, though, right? Not We haven't had them back. Really? Because we're Minnesota. right off of the lake. Minnesota, yeah. there's tons of them, though. Yeah, Not in there. general. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, I'm really excited about this book um, and excited about everything you're up to. I think... If people are, um, and really the podcast, which you've been doing for many years now, has been about marketing business and and, and building this business around your lifestyle, which mm-hmm. I think is really inspiring. I'm curious for people that aren't entrepreneurs or they haven't yeah. done entrepreneurial things, because you and I weren't entrepreneurs. Right. We kind of became one. Yep. Um, for me, I felt like it was out of necessity at the season of my life, even Same. though I didn't feel like I wanted to become one. Yep. It was never like a desire, really. Yep. Um, but I felt like I just was kind of forced into it or there was a necessity to it. Uh, for those that maybe feel like they might have something they want to put out there and build, but they're scared, yeah. should they just go for it? Should they test something first and try to get a few sales and something? What do you think is the best approach now in today's time? Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about how 
I sometimes don't necessarily know what I want, but I know what I don't want. Which is what? Like when I was in corporate America, I sat down at a table just like this, and my boss said, here's your five-year plan. They never once asked me, mm. what do you want? What, what's your next move? Where do you want to go? And I wanted to go to corporate. Like I wanted to move back to Minnesota, be in Minneapolis. But here I was in a store, a glorified HR person that had to bring the garbage to the dumpster at the end of the night, wearing red and khaki, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I hate red and khaki. <laughs> um, and I sometimes I think that people get really lost because they're like, well, yeah, if I knew what my passion was, I could go figure out a way to make money, but I don't even know what my passion is, right? And sometimes I think knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do want. Right. And sometimes it's an easier place to start with. Like, I don't want 10 vacation days a year. I don't want to work weekends and nights. Like, you know, and so it's like trying to figure those things out. Mm. But the other piece of that is that we have to like start to be open in saying I've changed. Right. I'm evolving. Maybe I wanted this thing for a while, but now I want something yes. different. Yeah. It's like we get so attached to our identities mm -hmm. that the thought of like saying, oh, I'm different or I, I know I said I wanted this, but it doesn't feel the way I thought it would. And so I want to pursue something different. It's like this. this there's this notion. Um, Dr. Maya Shanker was on my podcast and she talks about identity foreclosure. And it's like the reason why you hold on to jeans that don't fit you anymore because you remember how you invested in them or the reason why you get the degree even though three years into it you know that you don't want to do the profession it's this idea of like so i gotta make it worth something but instead then we're wasting our future right and so you call it I, identity closure identity foreclosure. foreclosure like as in i'm foreclosing this piece of me i am shutting it down because i am no longer who i was and it's fascinating because even being here with you today, having a book coming out, you're seeing a changed mind. Yeah, you didn't want to do this. At years all. Ago. I mean, you are the one person who truly witnessed <laughs> how much I said I wouldn't yeah, do yeah. this. Yeah, you're like, just go launch a course and make a bunch more money and have less stress. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, we are so afraid of changing and not just changing, which is scary and uncertain, we're afraid of people seeing us change. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of being like, I know I said this one thing, but I don't believe it anymore. Yes. And I think that change is like growth and evolution. And like, we're in this thing called life school, uh -huh. school of greatness, life school, where we are learning. And if we're not learning and evolving, like, what are we doing? We're missing right. this opportunity. But I would say for those people who are like, maybe I have this idea or whatever, do it as an experiment. Don't attach money to it. Yes. Don't attach deadlines. Look at how I wrote the book. Do it in a way that proves to yourself that one, you're capable of taking action, but in a way that doesn't necessarily paint things as like black and white success and failure. Look at everything as an experiment. I'm going to mm -hmm. try this thing. All it's going to do is yield a result and that result is going to guide my next step. Yes. And I feel like nowadays it's like, we have to like define, is this a success or is it a failure? No, 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 no. I've done many things and failed. I've tried many different things and been like, oh, that was not, like I did senior portraits one year. Cause I was like, I can make bank shooting seniors. I hated it. Yeah. Did it for one summer. I was like, never again. Was it a failure? No way. It was just a point on the path that was guiding mm -hmm. me forward. And so I feel like getting really open to like trying things and the other part of that is that every single time I've tried something different, it's always been a side hustle. I've not abandoned the nine to five 
to jump all in on something, I've used the nine to five to fuel the other something. Then when I did courses, I used the courses to fuel the podcast. And when I did the podcast, I, you know, it's like they Mm -hmm. all pour into each other. And it's like, we're so quick to neglect something because it wasn't the perfect fit when it's like that can propel you forward if you lean on it. And it'll give you this ability to not feel the desperation that makes us say yes to the wrong things or do things that were never meant for us. Right, absolutely. What was the biggest identity foreclosure you've had in the last few years? Getting rid of my Abercrombie jeans from when I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, I, I, I remember how expensive those suckers were and how I saved every pretty penny and I told myself someday they'll fit again and guess what, they don't and they're not even in style anymore. But I literally, no, I mean, that was part of it. But I think for me, um, moving back home, which is something, so Drew and I met in college in Wisconsin, lived in Wisconsin for over a decade and, and moved back home uh, to Duluth, Minnesota. And, you know, one, I never thought I'd move home. I did, there was just something about it where it was like, ah, the people that are there are still doing the same things. Right. Still the same stuck, people. Different mindsets, stuck in the ways or whatever, yeah. yeah. And I had noticed to a trend, and I'm curious, like when you go back to Ohio, if you like stay where you grew up, like do you kind of revert to your old self? A little bit, yeah. I really love it though, because yeah, I do. Because I'll hang out at the restaurants yeah. and I'll like just talk to the people, just like I'm there. Yeah, you know, like I'm from there. Yeah, it and was funny though because I like yeah. whenever I would go home, like in college, I'd like find myself like sleeping on the couch again and watching MTV and eating ramen sure, noodles sure, yeah. and like things that were not a part of who I was, but mm-hmm. like there was just this like comfort, like this is what I do. I never thought I'd move back home, and um, I had this vision. After our second loss, I like hired someone to like help me unpack the grief because I was I skipped like denial and went straight to anger after right. our second loss because I just was like, "What is wrong with me? Why is this happening?" Um, you know, I was very public about our first loss and felt like there was purpose there. Yes, the second one, you were like, "This is frustration yeah. and anger." Yeah. yeah, and I was like. I got I the like, lesson already. I don't need this again. Right. Yeah. And I was like praying to God, like, where is your redemption song? Because I want to like prove how great you are. And now you've let me down again. And like, I don't even know where to go from here. And I hired this person to like help me unpack my grief because I was like, I'm angry. I hate my body. I don't know what to do. And she like led me through this exercise and we were like sitting together and she, we would get on the phone once a week and I, every time I wanted to like hit ignore, you know, like I was just like, right. didn't want to do the call. <laughs> deal, like, deal with it, yeah. Yeah, because I was just like, I know this is going to suck. And we're like on the phone and she's like, okay, we're, we're going to do a little exercise and I want for you to close your eyes and like breathe. And her name is Erin Trelore. And she runs um, a really cool Instagram called Raw Beauty Talks. And it's all about like coming back to your body. And uh, so she's like having me breathe and she's like, I want for you to envision like the most vibrant version of yourself. Like you are happy and energized and alive. And and it didn't just stop at like the vision. She's like, you know, like put your fingers in your finger slots, like step into your feet. Like I want for you to be there and like feel what it feels to like be fully alive and to enjoy your life. And she said this line and it was like, like a dial on a stereo, I want for you to turn your intuition up and turn the noise of the world down. And I was like envisioning all of this. And in the vision, I saw this little girl and pancakes and a Persian rug. And I was wearing jeans and a white linen shirt. 
And I opened my eyes after the vision. I was like bawling. And I said to her, she goes, you know, what came up for you? And I was like, I think we have to move. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I love the house we're in, but there's this bedroom and it was always going to be our baby's bedroom. I get so emotional, but then I'm like, every time I walk by it, I just think about what hasn't happened. Yeah. And I was like, I just, this vision of like this long table and like this rug and this baby and like, I see it. And I was like, I think we've got to move. And that day, because I'm a quick action taker. <laughs> you're like looking at houses. You're like, literally you're finding an agent. Yes. I get on Zillow and I type in Duluth, Minnesota. Wow. And Drew and I had never talked about moving home. Like it was like, a, maybe we'll move to Minneapolis someday. Like, you know, kind of stay Where in the were you city. living at this time? We were in a really small town in Wisconsin called Fort Atkinson. And we had great friends and stuff, but we didn't have the support of a family. And I found this house on Zillow mm-hmm. and I text my family text thread as a joke and say, maybe this will be the Kutcher Craftsman. Like it was this beautiful home in Minnesota. We had never talked about it. Drew is out on a run and his phone starts blowing up because my family's like, move home, oh my move God. home, He's like, what? Home. We never talked about this. Yeah, yeah. He gets home and he's like, what is going on in your family text thread? Like it's going crazy. And I was like, did you see the listing? And he's like, what listing? And I was like, I saw this house in Minnesota and... I thought he would be like, you know, maybe three years from now. And he, and he was like, oh, we could do that. And I was like, what? And, you know, it's crazy because I didn't necessarily wow. move because of the vision, but it was like the first thing where I was like, you know, this, where we are is not working for me. The craziest part is this, Lewis. We didn't move for like seven, eight months. The day after we moved in, I took a positive pregnancy test. Wow. It was, it was literally, I like always say, I'm like, it's like I would like had to move home and like be grounded at home. Like it just felt Mm. like this like crazy moment where it was like, I'm home and I'm ready. And like, this is it. And that next day you moved in. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's crazy. When was this? Mm, April 1st of 2017. Oh my gosh. Or 2018. Yeah. So it was like. It's like right after the mastermind that, yeah, yeah, it was that next year. And it was like. And here's the thing that's so wild about my journey because, you know, one in four women experiences pregnancy loss Mm. um, is that when you're in it, I mean, it is dark. I can imagine. And I often think about it's like if you were like walking through like a warehouse and it's just like pitch black and you're literally just like inching step by step like you don't know where you're going. And it's like you just you have a flashlight so you can only see like directly in front of you. And once you get through it, it's like somebody turned the lights on and you see where you were and why you were there. And I hate the line, like, everything happens for a reason, because when you are in it, there is zero <laughs> like, reason, no reason why. Yeah, there's no reason why that happened. But our, like, three-year waiting season, I can see now with hindsight, was required for me to build a life that supported what I was waiting for. Really? When I first was pregnant with my first pregnancy, I was shooting 25 weddings a year. I remember we were in Hawaii and I looked up the due date and I was like, I can't be due then. I have like four more weddings. I mean, I like have to cancel on these. Like I literally was like. like you were sabotaging your body. It was like I didn't know how I would do it. You know what I mean? Like Your body's like, we're not going to let you do it then. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And then. 
The second time around was a huge wake up call because I found out that I had lost the baby, but my body was still pregnant and mm. I had to show up and shoot a wedding the next day. Oh, oh my gosh. And so I had to pretend like I was the happy, you know, the oh. happy wedding photographer. Yeah. And so when I look at those losses, they were massive teachers in my life. But by the time I was pregnant for the third time, I had built a life where I was able to move and I wasn't tied to anything and I had no clients to answer to and I had built that. And so there's this quote that I heard from a preacher and it's like sometimes the season of waiting is just as important as what it is that we're waiting for. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people find themselves in seasons of waiting and it's really easy to want to like twiddle your thumbs and just sit there, right? right. Like just wait and wait and wait. But I think we waste it and it's like, I worked while I waited, and I don't mean like I hustled. I worked towards the life I wanted for when the time came. Mm -hmm. And it was so evident when it happened. That's inspiring. It's a crazy story, and it's one that I don't tell often. And there's a line in my book that says like, okay, I, I know this story is wild, but like you don't have to move zip codes to start living more into yourself. One of the things yes. I realized after that vision was... My vision was jeans and a white linen shirt. And I looked down and I was wearing sweatpants and like a college t-shirt. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I just start putting on the jeans. Maybe I don't have the baby and the pancakes and the Persian rug, but maybe I can just start dressing the way that I would dress if I was vibrant and alive and healthy. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just take a tiny step of becoming, I can't control the outcome mm -hmm. of having a baby but I can control showing up as a more vibrant version of myself right now. Absolutely. You said during the season, the dark season, yeah. that it's hard to think about this is all happening for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think we can think about during a dark season? Some, if someone deals with anything dark in their life, mm -hmm. what should they, how should they be processing or thinking about it as opposed to, oh, well, maybe this is happening for a reason? Mm -hmm. I don't think that, yeah, I agree. I don't think that language is helpful when you're in it, right? Right. Because there are so many tragedies and things that shouldn't happen or that you shouldn't have to experience. There's this line in my book that uh, talks about grief because we talk about it. And it says that a lot of times people want to move on from grief. You're waiting for life to feel normal again. You're waiting to feel like yourself. And I say grief isn't something that we're meant to move on from. It's something we're meant to move with. Mm -hmm. We're meant to pick it up and carry it with us, even if we're inching forward. Like we're getting stronger because of the things we've been through. You're not meant to come out on the other side of grief the same person you were when you went into it, right? Like that, what a wasted right. opportunity for tragedy. Mm -hmm. And in my life, loss has probably been my greatest teacher. Right. Like I look at those like lost pregnancies and I'm like, they were like somehow like looking out for me. Mm. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't hard or that I, I literally think about those babies every single day. But if I wasted that and like didn't use it, mm -hmm. that would be a real loss. That's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. And I think oftentimes it's like we sit in the loss and we waste that time when we need to just slowly start moving with it and yes. carrying it with us as a changed person. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know a single person who has been through anything tragic in their life. I mean, you lost your dad. Mm -hmm. Like, you are a different person than even a few months ago. Absolutely. And so I I believe that we've got to, like, change the notion of, like, oh, you're going to be back to normal in a month or, like, this expectation. And it's like we've got to invite people to, like, evolve and move forward at their own pace. And I always liken grief, like, for me, and it might be different for you, but for me... I always think about like Lake Superior. We, we have a place on Lake Superior and there are some days where I can stand on the shore and watch like how mighty and powerful it is and just stand there in awe. And there are some days where it feels like grief makes me feel like I'm literally getting sucked under in the current and I can't even stay afloat. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a huge difference between like the days where you can be like, yeah, that was hard. And I'm observe, you know. I can see the power of that and stuff. And there are days where you're like triggered or something and it's like you are sucked under. And we don't give ourselves enough space to like have those different types of days. Right. And you don't know when they're going to land. Yeah. You know, there will be like I still think about like the due dates of my first pregnancies mm. or I celebrate a kid's birthday and I'm like, my kid should be that old. Mm-hmm. So it's like if we don't give ourselves a grace of like, Some days I'm getting sucked in. (laughs) I need a life raft. And some days I'm like just standing there being like, wow, that was powerful. I mean, it's all a part of the process of grief, you know? I hear you. It's been been coming a ways for me for the last two months, too. I mean, since my dad passed, it's like some days I feel okay. And then other days it's like I hear a song and it triggers me and I just feel really sad or vulnerable or. Grieving. Yes. You know, it's a process. It's a journey. So. A lifelong process, I think. Oh, man, I'm really excited for this. Uh, your book, How Are You Really? I want people to go check it out at jennacutcher.com or follow you everywhere on social media at Jenna Kutcher. Your podcast as well, the Gold Digger podcast. If you're thinking of entrepreneurship and business and branding and marketing, go listen to that. It's a powerful, powerful podcast. You got ton, tons of courses and programs and things for people to help who are creators, entrepreneurs online as well. So they can get it all at jennacutcher.com. Is there anywhere specifically we should go for the book? Yeah, you can go to howareyoureallybook.com. Okay. And we've got a landing page and all the spots you can grab it. And, you know, as someone who said I would never do this, <laughs> I've never worked harder on something in my life and I've never wanted it to be in the hands of more people. And mm. so I really am yeah. excited. A book is a lot. It can be a lot. I mean, no one does a book and just like kind of yeah. <laughs> ha- haphazardly puts it out there. You yeah. know, it's like it's so much effort and energy and something we really care about, you know, when we Deeply. launch a book. It's interesting. It's probably it why a lot of people are resistant of doing it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what's interesting is like as content creators and digital creators, the fact that you work on something for two years without revealing it. Crazy. 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 But you know what? It's been such a great lesson for Uh me of like sitting on something, waiting on it, revising Uh it, editing, 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 like where it's like, you know, done is better than perfect in a lot of ways. And in a lot of times it's good to take that imperfect action. And when you do something like this, you're really taught patience in the process. And it's been a really good teacher for me. And you could also get caught up in never being done. Yeah, so, so someone said to me the other day. You also need a deadline, yeah, too. Yeah, they're it's like, like <laughs> there's a reason why it's called a book release. Uh-huh. And it's like you're releasing it out into the world. Because you could literally nitpick. Go for years. 
pretty first. You, you I think a lot years, of people do that. And they never put it out. That's right. I mean, there's so many things I could change in my previous books yeah. still today. I'm yeah. like, oh, I could have added this or taken this out. Could but, always do that. You know, always could do it. Yeah. So it's it's a yes and. It's like, okay, how can I give it the patience, the time, the energy, the revisions, and also... Release it. Release it. Like, there's <laughs> going to be something that could be changed. I'm very excited for you. Howareyoureallybooked.com. Make sure you guys go check it out. Get a few copies for your friends. All the bonuses and all that stuff. JennaKutcher.com. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone at the end called the three truths. So okay. imagine it's your last day on earth many years away from now. You live as long as you want to live. You get to do all the things you want to do. Yeah. But for whatever reason, everything you've created has to go to another place. The book, podcast, social media, content, everything's gone. No one has access to your information anymore. Okay. But you get to leave behind three lessons with the world that you've learned, three mm-hmm. truths. Yep. What would be those truths for you? Time is your currency. Everything is temporary, and you'll never regret the time you spend with the people you love. Mm, yeah, amen to that. I want to acknowledge you, Jenna. It's been a beautiful journey <laughs> since I've known you. 2017, since yeah. I first met you. Yeah, not wild. 25 years, almost six years now. And uh, the way you show up for yourself, the way you show up for your family, for your kids, for your dreams, for your health, everything. You make decisions that aren't popular sometimes. You do things that are against the norm, but you do them your way. And yeah. you do them in a way that works for you, that makes you feel peace mm-hmm. and healthy and loved. And so I think that's really beautiful that you're giving and creating and serving people and also remi- reminding yourself to make sure you serve yourself in that process mm-hmm. and not lose yourself in that process. So I really acknowledge you. Thank Very you. proud of you. Thank you. Very grateful for you and your friendship and everything. Thank you for having me on this show. And, and you know, it's it really is a full circle moment of like, Drew and I often talk about how being a part of your mastermind changed my life mm. in so many ways. And so thank you for being that leader, but thank you for being my friend too. Of course, yeah. I'm happy. I'm always wanting to facilitate, you know, facilitate experiences for people. Uh, My final question is what's your definition of greatness? Doing what you love, being with the people you love, but doing it in a way that feels good and doesn't just look good. Jenna Kutcher. Appreciate you. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.